Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to Dose of Leadership. Great guest today, Margie Worrell, is back on the show. I say back on the show because this is actually her fourth appearance, making her the most regular guest on Dose of Leadership, and I love it. She is one of my favorite thought leaders, speakers, authors, coaches, facilitators. She's just an all-around uh, remarkable human being, and she's definitely in her space and found her purpose. She's very good at what she does. Her four books, Find Your Courage, Stop Playing Safe, Brave, Make Your Mark, all four of those titles are highly recommended. I've even uh, I've read all four of them, and I've even had Make Your Mark. I took that book and had a you know, own personal mastermind with those of leadership. Margie's put me in touch um, with a lot of people, a lot of friends that have been in my masterminds, uh, a lot of connections. She's just a very giving and thoughtful person, and she's an expert at what she does. Admits many times that she needed to find her courage growing up as one of seven children in rural Australia. She knows a lot about personal adversity. She's been all over the world. She's got a starting a business with four kids under five. She's been married 25 years. All of those things have taught her valuable lessons on building resilience, tenacity, challenging the norms, embracing change, embracing fear, stepping forward into the unknown. Today, she draws on her background, working with Fortune 500 businesses, coaching, and using psychology to arm people with the proper mindset, the strategies, and skills essential to lead ourselves and others to much uh, better, more effective outcomes. She is a passionate advocate for gender equality and inclusive leadership, and she targets women. She has women's workshops. In fact, she has a Live Brave weekend coming up for women I would highly recommend in late October, 25 to 27 October in Maryland, Kent Island, Maryland. You can learn more about that at her website, margieworld.com, M-A-R-G-I-E-W-A-R-R-E-L-L.com, and click on the top banner. This is more about the Live Brave Weekend. I highly recommend it to any woman out there that's looking to, again, break through some of those limiting beliefs, find your purpose, find your challenge, and uh, Margie's just an expert at conducting these. And again, even though she is, a, again, a passionate advocate towards women in leadership, I look at her as one of my great uh, mentors and leaders when it comes to leadership because all this stuff is universal, right? I mean, breaking through limiting beliefs, um, stepping through courage or finding courage and stepping through fear, that's all universal. Um, but uh, we talk about that in this episode. It is about talking about the differences between gender and how gender plays a role in leadership, some of the myths that there are. It was a great, engaging conversation, as they always are with Margie, and I hope you will find some enjoyment out of it. This show is brought to you by my friends at RSM Marketing. RSM Marketing has partnered with Dose of Leadership in this show, and if you're overwhelmed by the expanding marketing tactics, which I know most of us are in small business, then you might consider an outsourced marketing department, and that's what RSM Marketing specializes in. They take all of that pressure and that stress of, marketing in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world, they take it all off your plate and they do it today. You see, because RSM employs dozens of specialists and experienced marketing directors that act as your outsourced marketing department. And it can be, you can be a small company or a large company, a market leader with 1,000 employees. It doesn't matter. RSM will work with you. 
And because the complexity of marketing is growing exponentially, it doesn't make sense for us to hire a big marketing department, does it? I mean, why would you want to manage a large team of marketing professionals when you got someone like RSM that can take care of it for you? You see, outsourcing allows you to gain access to a full team of specialists for one flat monthly subscription rate. And the beautiful thing is it's many times as low as the cost of a single marketing full-time employee. So if you want to learn more, schedule a meeting with my friend Mike Snyder, the managing partner at RSM. You can go to rsmconnect.com slash dose of leadership. There's also a link on the post. You can go to the bottom of this post of Margie World's episode and click on the RSM dose of leadership banner. It'll take you right to there where you can schedule a meeting with Mike and you can talk to them about uh, getting an outsourced marketing department to help you with all of your marketing needs. All right. Thanks for tuning into the show. Thank you for all the updates, the subscriptions, the reviews. The show keeps growing and growing. And I really do appreciate all you listening to the show. Now, here's the conversation with the one and only Margie Worrell here on Dose of Leadership. Margie, so excited to have you back on the show. Welcome. Oh, it's great to be talking to you again, Richard. Yeah, I think you're the, I think this is a record. I think you were the guest that's the the most repeat guests I've had on the show. So I'm excited to have you back. And, uh... <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I Hopefully that's a great thing. No, so it is a good hopefully thing. I'm, I'm, not that I'm I'm too poor in getting my message across, so you got to keep having me back to go. What was it you were saying? No, it's, it's my. You're one of my favorite guests, and I enjoy talking with you. And and I know we've talked about this subject before because you know I, I've talked to you about my daughters. I've talked to you about some of the women I've worked for in the workplace, both in the military and in civilian. And uh, some of the best leaders I've ever worked for have been women. So I know this is a topic that's very near and dear to your heart. So. Uh, uh, what would you like to say about it? Yeah, well, look, you know, I um, I work a lot with men and women in leadership roles around the world. Actually, I guess I have a, I, compared to some in that I've, you know, I'm Australian. I'm currently based in Asia in Singapore. I lived in the US for eleven years, and I'm constantly on planes traveling around the world. And you know, while a lot of my work is um, with men and women, I've I've over the last ten years found myself doing more and more in supporting women as leaders as well because I think there's been a growing recognition of the value and importance of gender diversity and having, you know, having women seated at at decision-making tables. But, of course, you know, the statistics speak for themselves, Richard. There is still a a massive paucity of women at top tables and, uh, you know, women are still generally the minority and at the higher you climb, the, the more that's the case. And so, so one of my, my big passions is how do we create environments and organisations and, and a society where women can advance into um more to those top tables and one have confidence to do so confidence in themselves have the capacity for it and you know that that once women are there that that obviously you're harnessing that diversity too because there's obviously we talk often about diversity inclusion well diversity is being asked to the dance do you have the diversity of people you need there and you want but inclusion is being asked to dance when you get there and so you can have someone seated at a table but if their voice isn't being heard and they don't feel a sense of belonging and inclusion then you're still not tapping the value that they have to bring yeah i agree and i think you know i I said i opened up that some of the the best leaders i've worked for have been women but i will say too that some of the worst leaders i've worked for have been women too and i'll tell you why and i want to see how what you think of this i know (laughs) the the ones who were just absolutely 
terrible to work with. There was this level of, um, there was almost a chip on the shoulder type mentality. There was a idea of a level of inauthenticity where they were trying to be something that they weren't, if that makes sense. They felt like Mm -hmm. they had to be one of the guys, whatever that means. And the ones that were great where it's almost like you didn't even like gender wasn't even an issue if that makes sense mm-hmm. they just led yeah. and um i don't know how how to articulate it beyond that so what do you think when you yeah. hear that hear that yeah you know that that actually resonates as um with my some of my own experiences obviously you know women can be exceptional leaders just just as men can be and and, and i wanted to start out here by saying um you know i think it's really important in this era post me too that we do not in any way find ourselves in a, in a gender wars where it's about, well, you know, I actually really don't like the term the future is female. And because I feel like it sets itself like it's one or the other, there's a zero sum game and it's, like, well, the women are going to dominate now and men, your, your time is done. And I, I really don't believe that. I think that ultimately it's, it's about getting rid of the hierarchy. I think when any, when any group dominates, then everybody is worse off. So to me, it's about partnership and collaboration and how do we all bring our best selves to the game and all of us tap in to the value that we have to bring. And so, you know, with that, with that out the way, you know, obviously, the the, the, the the cards have been stacked against women throughout history. You know, we have had a very patriarchal um, society and culture. And so women over the last 50 years, you know, as this the feminist movement's really taken flight, you know, those women who have defied the odds and sort of broken through have often had to do so by really, um, you know, being like, being like a man, you know, being very forceful, mm-hmm. being... Um, you know, kind of ruthless, and I, and I, and not always, but certainly there is that that archetype, and and I think these days there's there's growing recognition that it's not about being more like a man because men have their own innate strengths, and you know there's already enough men. Really, it's about embracing the feminine leadership strengths, and for women who are listening, you know, it's about it's not about acting more like the guy. But it is about acting and in, in behaving in ways that allow you to be effective in, in often environments that are still, you know, can be some, some industries, you know, dominated, you know, certainly in the senior levels by men, because our template for leadership is often very male. That's how we're mm-hmm. socially conditioned. And so what I've found is that in response to this, you know, masculine leadership uh, template, some women can sort of puff out you know, then they can be act, you know, they don't just, you know, act like the guys, they like dial it, you know, they dial it up to, to 20. And, and obviously that, that, that can do the whole female cause a disservice because it's like, whoa, you know, the, the, the bitchiest woman ever, you know, people ever, woman was a boss and, you know, the, that, that whole negative stereotype can get played out. And so, you know, I think about the women who, you know, really role model what it is to be feminine and fierce, what it is to have grace and grit. You know, you think of Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, in the wake of the terrible uh, terrorist attack there on the mosque yeah. in, in, in Christchurch, you know, displayed extraordinary compassion and empathy, but also, you know, very quickly acted very decisively and assertively to change the gun laws in New Zealand. Um, you know, she lacked 
absolutely no strength, but was also extremely sensitive. And I think that's the sort of, you know, leadership, frankly, that that everyone can learn from, not just women and men, but just her very much, very much a woman owning her femininity, but also standing very much grounded in her strength and willing to make tough decisions and make tough calls and stand you know stand up to those who would disagree with her and and so I think you know sometimes when I've experienced women like you know the the kind that you were talking about the worst bosses you'd ever had to me it does come from a deep-seated sense of fear and insecurity that they can't just be themselves that they have to put on a very tough 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 persona and wear this armory um because that's what they need to do to go into battle every day against 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 you know the men um and in fact the the most effective female leaders i've seen uh they don't need to do that they're not trying to prove themselves to be anything they are just themselves yeah you know and to, yeah it goes on both sides you're right you have you, you hit you hit the nail on the head i mean i think it, it goes to the point it all starts and, and i can't blame them the, the the ones that were the bad bosses is because they were coming at it from a distorted or dysfunctional view of leadership, which men do too. I mean, I think, I think this whole idea of, um, the the kind of old style command and control type leadership is really dead. I mean, but it still is alive and well in so many pockets of, 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 of the world. We see it in politics all the time. We see it in large corporations, but to me, command and control style of leadership, uh, this old, uh, stereotype of, you know, you swoop in this larger than life figure that tended to be male and that's, and you slash and burn and dominate yeah. and fear and everything else. You're right. And so that, if that's the plate, the, 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 the template, but I do think that the opportunity that is there now, the type of leadership that is needed, the more and more that you see the effective styles of leadership, um, th- those, those, those leaders that, uh, even Jim Collin talks about in good to great, where that the combination of, an intense individual combined with a humble, teachable spirit and where that Venn diagram intersects, that's the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female, if you're leading from that space, you're unstoppable. And unfortunately, uh, it does very few individuals get there because our ego takes over, you know, all of us are battling our ego. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's the type of leadership that I talk about here on this show that I, I want people to, to um, get rid of is that egoic sense of leadership where it is about the individual and you're right. And I think this is where women can shine because they naturally um, are more empathetic by nature. I mean, you look at even your own, your own mother and, and how powerful and fierce and, and, and influential a mother can be. Um, that type of leadership can be effective in any organization. Now, what do you think when you hear that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, women are, are naturally, you know, caretakers. And so we kind of think of men as have these agentic traits, you know, very, they show a lot of agency. So it's about let's get things done, task focused, you know, get in, you know, do the kill. Women tend to be uh, traditionally more communal. And so those communal traits of let's take care of the group, let's let's ensure social harmony, those sort of uh, traditional feminine feminine traits are what we tend to think of 
um, when we think of, of women at work. And, and, and it really isn't about one or the other. They're not mutually exclusive. But as, we, as, as you know, you know, there's often a double bind. When women act with agency, when they can be competitive and decisive and assertive, they can be penalised for that. Right. And yet when they don't act that way, in, and the research shows that when people are looking at women who aren't showing those traits, they go, well, I don't really know that they've got leadership potential. Um, and so there's kind of they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Mind you, that said, men can face the same thing the other way too when they display too much empathy or a man is sad at work and, God forbid, he cry, they're penalised far more than women for, mm-hmm. for showing those, those emotions. And so, so we're all hemmed in a little bit by these gender norms of what a man should, how he should act and how a woman should act. Um, but I think to your point there, yeah, you know, it's so important um, for all of us to ask ourselves, you know, how, how, what does it mean for me to, to, to go to work every day with a genuine commitment to elevating those around me, to using, to drawing on my strengths to do what I can? And, and you know, some of us are naturally more, you know, task focused. Some of us are more naturally more relationship focused. But we all have to have that emotional agility and that leadership agility to go backwards and forwards. You know, if you're always just on one end of the spectrum or the other, you won't always be effective. And so for women, you know, when I'm, I'm working with women and coaching women, I do a lot of um, programs in leadership, women's leadership development. You know, at times we have to act in ways that are, are uncomfortable or outside our natural behavioural repertoire. We have to be, be more assertive than we might want to be. We have to you know, make that decision, take that risk, um, you know, address a specific behaviour that we might feel is, is disruptive. And, you know, sometimes that's uncomfortable. But I think, you know, as I've I've interviewed lots of senior female leaders over the years, and, you know, they'll say, look, you can be nice and still fire someone at the same time. It's not about not being nice, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But sometimes you have to make hard decisions. And so I think for all of us asking ourselves, you know, where is it that I'm kind of stuck in what might be, what's a comfortable place for me to be? Um, but where is that getting in my way? And I, I, I sometimes see women being too nice for their own good, too sweet for their own good, too accommodating for their own good, um, don't wanting to seem needy, wanting to make sure they're taking care of everybody. And actually, you know, you need to set a boundary, you need to say no, or you need to, you know, speak up and actually, you know, push back on something that's being said. I like that. You know, I think that I think you're right. I mean, I think when you were talking, I was thinking about those leaders that were so great to work with and work for and and they displayed exactly what you were talking about there they walked that line they weren't afraid to make things i think this is critical they weren't afraid to make things a little uncomfortable and what i mean by that is they they didn't have to um at least come across i mean you can i don't know if this makes sense but i mean in an environment i I like an environment like that where it's almost like a professional team where the coach does something to make the team just a little uncomfortable so that they perform better. And I don't mean intimidating fear or yelling or screaming or punishing, but it's just holding people to a higher standard. There's a level of intensity there. Um, there's a little bit of separateness yeah. there. There's a little but at the same time, it's, it's loving and caring. Does that make sense? And that's why I always, people probably get sick of me talking about this, but that's why I go back. The example I have is the Marine Corps where it is a very loving organization, but not in the loving sense that some people might think, but it was very, 
um, selfless in the sense that every leader, the successful ones, did something intentional to, to add value, to make that person they were leading better than they, they were before. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And I think, you know, that term love, um, sometimes we kind of think of love, it's all, you know, very soft and gooey. And, you know, there's, there's, as a, as every parent would know, you know, sometimes we have to do tough love and hard love. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to me, it's the intention, it's the space you're coming from. And, you know, sometimes you have to have a difficult conversation with someone that might be very hard for them to hear, but you are doing it because you genuinely have their best interest at heart. And Mm -hmm. I know as a parent, you know, sometimes I got to make decisions my kids might just, you know, really dislike me for, but I, I really believe this is in their best interest longer term. And so, you know, when it comes to, you know, for, for women at work, um, I, I've, I've, I've worked with some great women leaders and one that stands out for me is actually Kathy Kelvin. She is the CEO and the president of the United Nations Foundation. And I had the pleasure of, you know, connecting with her and doing work with her when I was living in the Washington, D.C. area and and have continued to do so now over the years. And, you know, Kathy is, is going to be five foot nothing um, and small little woman who has a massive heart, really goes out of her way to support other people, has been a huge champion for me as well. But, you know, in the meantime, she's 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 got to make tough decisions. She's leading an organization, she's got to lobby hard, she's got to push back on a lot of things. But she does it with this um, you know, in this very big-hearted, genuine way. And you know that what she's fighting for is even if she says that she, even if she has some has to have some candid conversations at time, you know it's coming from a place of trying to serve the highest good. And you know we all have different styles, and it's not about one style being better than the other. You're talking about command and control. Well, you know sometimes someone has to take command and say, right. "Hey, we're doing this." But but by the same token. We, if we're always being that way, we're going to be ineffective. And by the same time, if you're always trying to lead by consensus and get everybody feeling great about the outcome, you're never going to make a decision. Sometimes you've got to just make a decision and not everyone's going to like it. And so I think it is about finding that balance. And to me, that's what, you know, the, the, the incredible value of diversity is. Diversity in all its in all its forms, I mean, not just gender diversity, but cultural diversity, racial racial diversity, age diversity, um, personality diversity. You know, when you've got the different people coming at things from different perspectives, you're going to get you and people all feel equally safe. There's that psychological safety that everyone feels that their opinion is valued um, and is being heard. You know, you get better quality decisions and you get better outcomes. And the research substantiates that, you know, across the board, you know, if everybody sitting around a table thinks alike, if everyone looks the same and thinks the same, you are not going to get the best quality decisions. How do you think, uh, I'm curious about your perspective. I mean, you talked about the Me Too movement uh, when we opened up here. And as, you know, I'm in that realm, I'm the... Um, supposedly the I, I got it the easiest bit of the most I'm the average white male I'm a middle-aged white male so the perception is the world is laid out there's like a club right like I, we we join the club and everybody tells mm-hmm. me hey just do this and and the, the cities are paved with gold and we, we will make sure that no women or minorities can get in right I mean that's kind of like when that's the perception when I watch the news and I see this I 
at the same time, I need to be empathetic to that because I don't know. I try to always, I, I think a key part of leadership is being empathetic, trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. How difficult is it as a woman? I know the circles that I run around in, um, and maybe it's just the people I surround myself in, both in corporate and in the military. I did see some of it in the military in the, in the 90s when the, the Marine Corps was all male in the combat roles, and we didn't have any female pilots. We didn't have any of this. And I remember getting in some arguments uh, with some people I said, what's the big deal if they can do it? And then, and there's a lot to be said about, and I remember, you know, that when I look at the military and in combat, particularly, it's not an equal opportunity provider. You want to make sure that you're uh, introducing the most effective, cohesive combat fighting team. And it's not to say that a woman couldn't do it, but the, the argument was, well, look, we're not trying to when you introduce a woman, then you introduce all kind of weirdness and the and the sexuality thing, and we, it's just a distraction. How difficult is it um, for a woman uh, like yourself? I mean, are you still getting harassed? Are you finding it difficult mm. to to work up? You know, because these are things that I just don't experience. And so this mm. like, again, the circles I run into, and I'm kind of rambling this, but the circles I run into is I don't see a lot of my contemporaries and my peers harassing or trying to hold women back but that doesn't mm. say it doesn't exist so yeah. How, yeah. speak to me from your well, perspective how difficult yeah. is it today even in 2019 for you to walk into a room and not have those harassing gender stereotypes thrown at you yeah well that's a that's a you, you've raised so many different points there um you know for me personally it's I I am extremely comfortable walking into a room with and it, it could be um, you know majority male and that's okay for me and I don't very rarely do I feel harassed every now and again I've had you know an off color remark made and I maybe it's because I'm you know not young anymore I, you know I kind of seriously I look at someone I'm like seriously you just said that like such that's such a right. <laughs> just a ridic right. ridiculous thing to say I mean I hope you're embarrassed by that because I I don't get offended to be honest it would take a lot to offend me I more look at people and go I can't believe you just made that you know really really inappropriate remark occasionally I have that but it doesn't doesn't offend me. It doesn't even upset me. Frankly, I find it sort of amusing and think, look, this poor person's been living in a cave for a long time. <laughs> right. Um, um, so it takes a lot for me to um, for me to feel in any way intimidated. To be honest, I can't even think when I felt that last. That said, I have never, um, frankly, I have. Uh, while I have definitely um, been on the receiving end of numerous unwanted advances over the years, I. I think maybe it's just growing up in a big family with lots of brothers. I've never felt like, oh, gee, this is, I, I'm feeling really harassed by it. I've, I've more just thought, oh, for God's sake, shut up and stop being so ridiculous. Um, that said, you know, I know there are women who do find themselves feeling um, harassed and feeling still like they are being objectified uh, and I think that's, you know, that it, there is still there is still a way to go. You know, I still know that exists in schools and in colleges and in, in workplaces. And something you 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 said earlier when we started this conversation, or you'd work for some bosses, the great female bosses you'd had, you know, it wasn't about them being a female. They sort of didn't define themselves, well, I'm a girl, you know, or I'm a woman. And so and so and I think that probably is how I feel too. You know, I get up on stage and speak in front of a thousand men in an audience sometimes and there's a there's a hundred women in the audience. And, you know, 
I'm just on stage sharing my expertise. The, exactly. Yes, I'm a woman, but I'm not defined by the fact that I'm a woman speaker. I'm just, I'm someone on stage with expertise and I share that expertise. Um, and I think, frankly, there's a, there's a massive power that comes from show up, add value, do your job, and don't be defined by your gender as you do that. Yes, you know, own you, we own own whatever you are, um, your sexuality, your gender, but but don't be. That's not your defining feature. That's just yeah. That's like yeah. I have brown hair as well, and I you know it's not like you don't don't use that to how you def- how you think of me. Think of me as an expert in this, or think of me as a leader, someone who gets the job done, someone who leads a team, or you know whatever the case may be. Um, for those who are listening. And I think um, I think there is still a way to go. And I think post me, but frankly, the Me Too movement really was a rally cry, obviously, around the world collectively from women saying, that's it, we're not tolerating yeah. this anymore. We've previously felt we had to tolerate this. Obviously, you know, in Hollywood, you know, you want to get the movie, you've got to, you know, you felt like you had to, they had to, women had to tolerate, frankly, being treated with a complete and utter lack of respect um, but I think, you know, the, the, the tides are changing and I think women are more and more empowered. And I would say to women, you know, stand your ground. And yes. when, you know, you, when you sense it coming, saying, hey, come on, cut it out. You know, don't, don't get all offended by it. Just say, cut it out. You know, and I think men are increasingly mindful of, of um, you know, just what they're saying, that they, they think twice about what they're saying before they say it. That said, I do think the pendulum has swung too far the other way. And I, I talk to men who go, look, I'm too scared to meet a woman now for coffee. I'm too scared to close the door. I'm too scared to, to touch her and pat her on the back if she's had a rough day. I'm too, you know, like there's this, there's this fear now of doing something that could be perceived as harassment. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping that with time, you know, we'll find this, happy medium again because I, I don't think we want to set up this situation where men are too afraid to do anything or connect with women in a way that's affectionate or just warm and friendly because for fear of being accused of you know an unwanted uh, an unwanted advance that to me um is a shame if that happens and I know that that actually has been happening in some quarters you know you hear men saying I'm too scared to mentor a a woman now in case it's you know perceived the wrong way so I think I think for women we have to make sure that you know we can have healthy working relationships with men that are friendly and you know we don't cut out all banter um that's fun you know it's fun you know I enjoy I enjoy the company of men you know it doesn't have to be this thing where we, we, where we, you know, whoa, what is that about? Is that, you know, some sexual overtone <laughs> right. or overlay to it? Right. Yeah. But I guess that's the point. And that was kind of where I was going with my long-winded long winded question. Yeah. Was, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It has swung a little bit and in, in, it's certainly there. And, and like I tell my daughters and in, in particular, my two oldest ones are in their teens. There's this kind of um, defensiveness about them. And I'm like, look, I said, to me, it's, the two rules that I had a great mentor pass along to me that the two rules to succeed is like, you know, it's not your right to challenge it's your obligation, which works well in the aviation community as well. But I use that with everybody and then treat everyone with respect and tolerate disrespect from no one. It's as simple as that. Right. Yeah. And stand your ground. Like you said, I think if anything, yeah. anybody that, that is harassing or doing something nefarious or I mean, it's the same as bullying behavior. You call it and you shed light on it. It typically stops, right? And um, yeah, 
Yeah. And you know, and, and I mean, you know, that old saying, you, you get what you tolerate, you teach people how to treat you. Exactly. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's what I, you know, the energy I put out, but I think people might go, well, look, I'm not going to try it because clearly <laughs> right. she's not going to, I don't know. But, I, you know, it's like, what is the signals that you're sending out? I think we have to take responsibility too for what we're, you know, the nonverbal signals we can be sending out too. Um, you know, and I have seen, you know, you know, we don't, as I, I know I don't like to be objectified, but, you know, I sometimes see women objectify themselves. And so, you know, if we want to not be objectified, we've got to be careful that we're not objectifying ourselves by, by how, what, by what we, you know, what we do and what we wear and everything else, because then we're inviting that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that might not be a particularly um, politically correct um, statement to make, but I, I do think we have to take also responsibility for our part in things I don't think it's a it's 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 fair to say oh it's it's only on men I think as women we have to treat ourselves with self-respect we have to have our own boundaries of respect for ourselves and I think when we have really firm boundaries about what self-respect looks like then you know then that gets communicated in so many nuanced ways spoken and unspoken to those around us yeah well said well, I'm excited to, to to talk. We could we could talk for hours probably about this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What, well, you know, you've got you've got some daughters, and I I've got one daughter who's 20 at college, and she's just had her first year at college, and you know, um, and I, and it's interesting, Richard, as a parent, you know, I, and I I I always say that, you know, honey, you know, no one should treat you with less than exactly. you know with with less than respect. Don't tolerate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the same token act in a way that deserves people treating you with respect and you know and 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 really your 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 two rules for your daughters they're they're fantastic i think think that's um great advice for anybody in any situation to your point yeah and i think for me as a as a man and and as a father um i'm always telling my daughters and i see it in them i see the the um the limiting beliefs i don't know if i had boys would be the same way i mean everybody's unique but it, it has been, for all four of them, a constant challenge of reminding them of don't get caught up in the, um, uh, I mean, God, and boys are, especially in, in middle school, I mean, boys are horrible. They're just horrible. And I'm sure I was horrible <laughs> when I was that age, too. But, I mean, it's just like, don't let that and in, in that, that, that battlefield of life drive the low self-esteem you know and i'm constantly reminding them to you know don't let that affect you you know be proud of who you are i mean be strong be confident you know i want them to be fierce i want them to go out there and kick ass right i want them to be unstoppable Mm -hmm. and the biggest battle is getting past your own limiting beliefs you know i've been a big i've really gotten into uh, eckhart tolle over the last year I don't know if you're familiar with him or you've, if you yeah, follow yeah. him. And what, it is about the role. I think is everybody is wrapped up in these egocentric roles, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think if you can get past that, then you're un, it's unstoppable. The world is your oyster at that point. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, in line with that, you know, we have these beliefs about who we are and who we're not. And our beliefs are shaped by... Um, you know, the, the, the way we're socially conditioned, you know, I'm a girl, so that means this, or I'm a guy, right. so that means this. And so who would you be? I often say you know, to people, 
regardless of gender, who would you be without that belief? If you didn't think, well, I'm a girl, so I have to be this way, or I'm a boy, I have to be, I have to be tough. So men, so boys are socially conditioned that, you know, weakness, um, don't show weakness. Exactly. And men, it's, being a man is all about showing strength. And so they armor up and they're Mr. Tough, you know, but if you didn't think you had to be strong, then who would you be? And for a woman, if you didn't think you had to be sweet or nice or modest or humble, who would you be? Um, but I, I know myself, you know, I grew up in a, in a very, you know, rural Australia, my, you know, very boys worked outside on the farm, girls stayed in the kitchen and made cakes, you know, and what have you. And, um, for me, I had no female role models of women who were, you know, power brokers and change agents and leaders. My mother was pretty diminutive, to be honest. And, um, and so, and so for me, you know, coming out of the gates, you know, leaving home, going to university and fending for myself in you know at 18 and I I you know I I had no conception of a woman being a powerful agent or a leader in 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 an organization or the world to be honest Margaret Thatcher was it you know mm-hmm. and and so uh I think sometimes for women we sometimes you know you can't be what you can't see and while we have far more I mean just look at you know the congress today in the US there's a lot more women you know it's fantastic to see that to see that shift and change but I think for women you know there often is that much more doubt and I know in my own work it's why I run my my women's weekends my live brave women's weekends I see so many women doubt themselves too much and back themselves too little yeah and sell themselves too short and I see it again and again and I know I've I, I, I recognize it because I've experienced it right. and I really have to work hard myself to go, no, own your value. Do not talk yourself down. Take the compliment. Put yourself forward, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know, really celebrate your strengths. Don't say, oh, well, I just got lucky, you know, it was a team effort. You know, no, I worked hard. I'm good at this. Um, and women tend to struggle doing that in ways that I find men don't struggle as much. I agree. And I think that's, that's, that's the focus and the work that still needs to be done. I agree with you. And, and I appreciate that people like you are out there doing that, you know, waving that flag and saying, Hey, you know, at the end of the day, all of us, uh, struggle with it. And I think it's important for women to know that too. And, and I think when women understand that men have those same limiting beliefs and doubt, it may be because yeah, we have over the years culturally and societally, it has a, it makes it a little easier for us to get over because I've got more examples to to model myself after. But man, I'm with yeah. you 100%. There are tons of examples of women out there who are out there who are making a mark, making life significant, making the planet better than they found it. And I, I just want I, just same thing with my daughters. I want people to embrace it because there's nothing. There's no better time. You know, that's the thing. Is like, and I and I'm not a big I think, you know, looking back at the history, just to give the perspective to see where you've come from, but man, there's no better time in history than now, because that's all you have is oh, now, yeah. right? To, oh, to no, but I, I really believe there is no better time to be a woman. You yeah, know? I agree. And I, I, I see the change even from when I was 20, yeah, you know, and sure. I think how much, how much things have changed in the last 20, 30 years. And um, so, yeah, it's an exciting time of opportunity, but there's still, I, and I believe, you know, I want Yes, there needs to be systemic changes, and yes, we need to have flexible workplaces that are that that, that take care of the dual roles that women often um, have in terms of wanting to be, you know, mm-hmm. 
care with kids and everything. And for men too, you know, men need that flexibility as well. It's not just about women. But I do think it's so important at that individual level. How do we reframe how we see ourselves so that we can become, you know, lead from within, be change agents, starting with changing, you know, our own relationship to power and influence and seeing ourselves as women who are able to to influence change and um, that each of us are gifted in our own ways to make our own mark. And I think so often we sell ourselves short, we reject ourselves, we stop ourselves stepping out the gates before anyone else ever can. And so hence why, you know, I, I, I just feel particularly called and passionate about really emboldening women to step into their own power as change agents. And uh, I think that the world would be a better place if we had more women seated at top decision-making tables Um, because, you know, even the research shows, Richard, that when more women sit at peacemaking tables, you know, more peace accords are, are forged, you know, peace lasts longer, you know, women, women do bring a lot to the decision-making processes. And, um, and as I said, it's not about being better than, but it is about the synergy that's created when you do bring the full diversity of what, you know, our humanity has to offer. I agree. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm, you know, I think it's a, it's a great time to be uh, alive despite all the, you know, that's why I don't watch that much news anymore because it's so negative, but there's so much positivity out there. There's so much things changing and there's so much opportunity, particularly for women now than ever before. And yeah, I, and I'm it. and I'm glad you're out there leading the cause. This is definitely your purpose. This is your calling. And I'm glad that you're <laughs> you're playing in that sweet spot because uh, the world needs it. And I know so many people, both men and women, particularly women, are better for it because of you. Yeah. And um, that's well, why that's why I'm a big fan of, of what you're doing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, yeah. I appreciate it. And yeah, I must um just do a little plug for my my Live Brave Women's Weekend that I'm hosting. Um, in late October, um, just outside Washington, D.C. too. So for any women who might be listening who would just love a chance to just a weekend to just stop and reconnect with the boldest vision for your life and look at the stories that are getting in your way and the fears that are getting in your way, um, I invite you to check it out. Yeah, and I know one of my uh, friends and uh, and clients is, is actually attending in October, so I'm, I'll be looking forward to see what they say after that's over. So how can people find more about that? Is it your yeah. website? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, they can just go to margiewarrell.com, but I also have a URL set up just for the weekend as well, which is which is just livebraveweekend.com. So, yeah, you can either go to my website or go to livebraveweekend.com. Okay, and if you're listening to this and uh, you haven't visited my website, you can find all those links on the post on this interview post so uh, margie as always great conversation um, i'm so glad you came back on the show and uh, and thanks for coming on oh, thanks so much richard you take care richard invites you to become a part of the dose of leadership community visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free common sense leadership ebook a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm confident consistent and courageous in all aspects of our lives Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.